The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Jesus answered Judas, not Iscariot, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. The Gospel of the Lord. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Are you listening? Has anybody ever told you something like this? You're not listening. Have you heard that before? Maybe you've said that to someone else. You're not listening. My mom had this phrase she'd love to say, Billy, I could talk to you until I'm blue in the face. <laughs> Meaning, you're not listening. We can get closed off, can't we? Today, we hear the story of Lydia. As we move on in the Sundays of Easter, as we're right on the brink of Ascension Day coming up this upcoming week, and then Pentecost to follow... As we've listened to Jesus' words, and today we hear his words about going away. These are words he said before he died and was raised, but we hear them today because we know he's been with us. He appeared to all the disciples for all these days, and now he's going to go to the Father, and the Spirit's going to come, and we're going to celebrate all of that in the weeks to come. But today we also hear from the book of Acts to see the resurrected Lord, God and the Spirit bringing Christ and the word going out and the church being formed. And the story of Lydia, her coming to faith, is really the story of when Christianity first makes it into what we know today as Europe. But there's a phrase when it comes to her coming to faith that is really interesting and jumped out to a lot of us as we heard it this week, where Luke tells us the Lord opened her heart. The Lord opened her heart. Now, maybe it goes without saying, but that if Lydia's heart needed to be opened, then before that it was what? Closed. Are you listening? <laughs> and it's interesting that when her coming to faith is described by Luke, 
Luke doesn't say, and then she chose Jesus. Actually, Luke says, the Lord opened her heart to listen to the gospel, to listen to Paul. Now, the heart, biblically, is the location of emotion-infused thought. It's the way we receive. It's our openness or our closedness to the message, to the good news. Lydia's heart was opened, and she was baptized. She and all her household, this merchant of purple, this fine cloth, and perhaps this means she was quite influential and well-to-do. We don't know for sure, but this important person, this important woman comes to faith because God, the Lord, opened her heart. Now, there's another interesting thing that happens, and you might not have caught it in this Acts reading. In fact, I'd be shocked if you did. You get major kudos if you caught this, because you kind of have to be reading on in the, you know, kind of being reading what's come before this in the book of Acts to really catch it. But all of a sudden, something happens in this reading. And again, it's, it's so easy to skip over it. You, know, you don't notice it. But in the first part of Acts, the writer of the book of Acts, the writer of the Gospel of Luke, who we understand to be Luke, is talking about what's happening. Paul did this, and then he did that, or Peter did this, and he did that, or then they, the group of disciples, did this, and they went there, and they went here. And then all of a sudden, did you notice something? Look at verse 11. We, we set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace. We, wait a minute, what has happened here? Luke has been telling us about what other people are doing, and all of a sudden now, it's we. It seems like, now there's other explanations, but the one I believe in, and I think is certainly correct, is that this is like Luke's way to tell us, this is where I got in the story. This is when my heart was opened. Just like Lydia's heart was opened, now I became part of the story. Lydia's story and this we get me thinking about where we're at when it comes to the story of what God's done in Christ. Are are we outside looking in or are we inside and do we say we this is what we are doing. Or are we saying this is what they are doing? I always know when someone gets a little alienated from their church because they stop saying we. They start saying that church. That's not good. That means that something has happened. But it's even more exciting and amazing when people start saying, you know what we're doing? We're doing this, or we're doing that. It's because they've become part of the story. They've become part of the community. How is it that we can remain strong in that first-person plural, we? And that got me to thinking of the many barriers that can happen for people who are a part of the we already or people who have never got in yet have never got into the story, have never joined the story. That story hasn't become their story yet. There's a lot of barriers. This is hit them real quick. There are a lot of people who um, struggle intellectually with the faith and with lots of questions. 
It's like their heart follows their head. You know, they've got questions about dinosaurs and evolution and creation and science and, and the faith and miracles and all kinds of things. How can this happen? They typically say, I only believe in stuff I can see and taste and feel and investigate and experiment. I oftentimes ask them, though, do you believe in right and wrong? And they, of course, say, yes. I go, well, prove it. Well, you see, I mean, it's, it's actually true. Everybody believes in stuff that they can't see. They just don't realize that they do. But nonetheless, that can be a barrier, and I get that. I have all kinds of questions. I mean, I'm a head person. I mean, I just love doctrine. I love philosophy. I love thinking in general, and I do a lot of thinking, and my heart sometimes follows my thinking. But it can be a barrier, our rational thinking, if, especially if we say, I'm just going to be closed off to believing until I get every question answered. <laughs> and a lot of people come at it that way, right? That can be a barrier from becoming part of the we. But then other people, their heart, their head follows their heart. And they have experiences in life that sometimes keep them from joining the story. Maybe they've, they've had some horrible experiences with loss and difficulty and disease and struggle. Um, and, and there's a lot of pain and suffering in the world. And maybe that just it becomes a barrier for them. And, you know, then their head, once, you know, their heart, their head follows their heart. I have sympathy for all of kinds of reasons why people get they just can't quite jump into the story. They can't become part of the we. But I also know that we live in a culture that is the most unsupportive or unfriendly to faith and being a part of a Christian or any religious community for that matter. We're part of a culture that's the most unfriendly since I've been alive. I mean, just ask a parent whose kid's in some kind of sport. Used to be Sunday morning was kind of sacred. Once in a while, you'd have a tournament or something. Now parents have to basically choose church or will my kid play soccer or swim or will they play so softball or baseball because it's on Sunday now. No, no that's, that's, that's a barrier to becoming part of the we and being part of the community. Our culture is not, doesn't make it easy sometimes. And maybe that's good, actually. I don't know. And I want to be really clear, I don't think these barriers just affect people who have never been part of the story. I think they affect us all, don't they? Aren't there barriers and things that would erode our sense of we? Just like the kid said, maybe it's something that happens here, hurtful. Maybe the pastor didn't notice something that they should have noticed in your life. Maybe no one else did. Um... And maybe there was a hurt or a struggle that you wasn't heard. Maybe you weren't part of a, a smaller community that could really support you and help you in that time. There's all kinds of, th these barriers to the we are real for people who are already in the story. And they can start to erode our sense of, of belonging and our, our part in that story. Sometimes it's our own self-doubts and wondering whether we'll be received because of some sense of who we are. Probably, ultimately, the biggest barrier is just our own human nature, isn't it? You know, we want to do it our 
way. You know, Christianity was known as the people of the way first before it was even called Christians. What way? The way of Christ. Following Christ versus what? Versus our, following our own way. Finding our happiness in whatever way we want to find it. You know, and today, everything is tailored in America to all our needs. We've got internet. We've got phones. We can customize everything just the way we want it. That's a part of our human nature. Those marketers are smart. They know what they're doing. But that can be a barrier because when you're part of this community, it says, here's the way of this community. It's the way of Christ. It's not your way. It's not my way. Oh, man, there are some barriers, aren't there, now that I think about it? So isn't it good news that we hear in Acts that the Lord opened Lydia's heart? Do we not get together every Sunday and pray, Lord, open our hearts because our natural inclination is to close those hearts and go our own way. But we come here because we give the Holy Spirit a chance to work in our lives and keep our hearts open and receptive. If, you know, that's what this is about, in fact. There's a, there's a great C.S. Lewis um, concept in mere Christianity where he talks about the good infection. What's, you know, I mean, back in the old days where pe- we wanted kids to get measles so they get them when they're young and all that, and all that's kind of changed, I guess, a little bit now. But, but there is such a thing as a good infection. There's a good infection, and how do you get that infection? That is faith. Well, you hang out with other people who are likewise infected. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that love the way that sounds? (laughs) You hang out with other people who are part of the story because that it's catching and it keeps you. um, It keeps you there. It keeps you strong in that. Um, So Mark Allen Powell would say it a little differently. He would say, and this is a New Testament scholar of one of our Lutheran seminaries. He would say, make yourself as big a target for the Holy Spirit as possible. So how do you do that? Well, you're doing it right now. You come to the table. You hang out with other people. You pray. You do all those faith practices that we talk about. That's not a way to get God in your life. That's a way to let God open up your heart. And I think there's a difference to that. (laughs) Maybe it's just semantics, but I think there's a difference. God is the one who works faith in us. It isn't our doing. It isn't our working. But it does come down to something. Do we, do we make, make, it, make ourselves a big target for the Holy Spirit? Because I don't know about you, but I know for me, there's a lot of barriers that erode my sense of we. So Sunday morning reaffirms that. Um, midweek stuff reaffirms that. Your prayers reaffirm it. Your service reaffirms it firms it all kinds of ways but the ultimate way the ultimate way is just that you come and you hear and you are you receive Christ over and over and over again so i mean every time you come i have to remind you that death is a problem it isn't answerable or solvable just by us changing the the way we talk about it we don't say people die we say people pass away now we don't even say that we say they pass I understand that's the lingo of our culture. 
But, you know, death can't be so easily taken care of. I don't believe, as I read the story of the scriptures, which has everything culminating in Christ going to the cross to take on death for us. If that had to happen, then death is a big problem. It cannot be managed. Our terror, our worry about death can't be managed by some nice sayings. No, it took the cross. And so I get to tell you, <laughs> I get to infect you with this great good news that Jesus took your death upon himself. And when he was raised, his victory now becomes your victory. It becomes our victory. Man, isn't that awesome that now we get to say we. We had that happen to us. That gift is for us. Not for those people, but for me and for us. That's the gift we've received today. I get to tell you that. I get to give you Christ today. But thankfully, it isn't just by hanging out in church and by word and sacrament that God works in our life. God works all kinds of ways. In fact, you might, here's what Lewis said, some of you may feel that this is very unlike your own experience. You may say, I've never had a sense of being helped by an invisible Christ, but I often have been helped by other human beings. That's rather like the woman in the first war who said that if there were a bread shortage, it would not bother her um, house because they always ate toast. <laughs> if there's no bread, there will be no toast. If there were no help from Christ, there would be no help from other human beings. He works on us in all sorts of ways, not only through what we think of as our religious life. Thanks be to God. God is out there. God is connecting us to God's self in all kinds of ways. I wonder, I wonder today where you're at when it comes to the story. And when you tell the story of what God has done, are you talking about it or are you telling it as if you're in the story? Because here's the good news. You are. When you are baptized, you are brought into the story. That story is your story. Um, so we, we just celebrate that today. We celebrate that we've moved from they to we. But there's one more thing. There's one more way to keep yourself strong in this we and keep yourself connected to God's story, and that is um, share it. <laughs> share it with other people. I talked to a pastor recently who was talking about another Lutheran church who happens to particularly be growing and a lot of young families coming and, and whatnot, and I was like, well, what's, what do you think makes the difference? And this pastor said this, just this simple. We've got a handful of people who are absolutely nuts about our church. And they tell everybody. They tell all their friends. you got to come to our church, man. We've got great music. We've got a loving community. You want to be here? Because, yeah, you know, don't forget you have the story. You have the words of eternal life. You have it. You have the story. And man, when you start sharing it, when you start telling other people, oh, you got to come. And then they say, well, we go to another church. You say, yay, good, keep going. And you move on. 
But, but there are lots of people. We live in the nun zone, N-O-N-E, supposedly. So evidently, you've got lots of people, I've got lots of people, who are desperately searching for fulfillment and happiness and joy in all the places that don't deliver. But you're in the spot that does. And when you share it, and when you invite someone to it, when you call that person up who you haven't seen in church for a long time and say, man, I miss you, that's, you will not, you, you just cannot believe how that will reconnect you to the story. You'll be in that story in a way that you have never felt before. And maybe it happens on the playground. Maybe it's one of our, our young people whose friend doesn't go to church. You want to come? I don't know, but that's the way it'll happen. Oh, thanks be to God that God has opened our hearts. And we are indeed part of the we. Amen.